Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. So the two of them have more in common than he would like to admit. And he sits at his table, which is decorated for the season, and he's got a fat ribeye steak in front of him. Medium rare. Medium rare. If you eat your steak well done, you're in sin and you need to repent. (laughs) Medium rare ribeye. Mashed potatoes on the plate. He's got the side vegetable just as a decoration mostly, let's be honest. He sits his brand new iPhone there on the table. He checks his brand new Apple Watch. He kicks off his brand new Jordan sneakers off into the corner. He's dressed in all of the latest apparel. The Bible says he's fared sumptuously. He has basically all his heart could ever desire. And he's so annoyed that every time he has to walk in through the gate into his home, there sits a beggar at his gate. The Bible says that this man who sits at the gate desires to be fed with the scraps that fall from the rich man's table. There's no pity, there's no sympathy or compassion in the rich man's heart. So day after day, week after week, month after month, he walks through the gate to his table, sits down to his medium rare ribeye and despises that man in his heart. The Bible says that the beggar's name is Lazarus. The Bible says, Jesus says, that in this story, a dog had more compassion on the beggar than the rich man. And the dog would come and sit next to Lazarus and would lick Lazarus's wounds as he sat there begging. Stricken with leprosy, his body literally falling apart. The dog has more compassion than the rich man. And the rich man thinks how different they are. Why can't I just rid myself of this guilt? Why can't I just get rid of this so it doesn't plague me every time I walk into my fat ribeye that I want to sit down and to enjoy? I can't enjoy all of these things because the thought of this guy keeps popping up into my head. The Bible says that both of their days eventually came to be numbered. The rich man goes and he's welcomed into Abraham's bosom where there's peace and comfort and rest. But the rich man, when he dies, goes into a place called Hades, hell, where he's being tormented by fire. And in that place, this man who thought that they were so different in that moment realizes how different they are. Because one is being comforted and the other is being tormented. And so he calls out to Abraham in that place. And he says, Father Abraham, will you please send to me Lazarus with just a drop of water on his fingers so that he can touch and quench this fire that is on my tongue? And the reply is this. Even if he wanted to, even if he wanted to come and to quench your thirst, there's a great gulf, there's a chasm that exists, there's a separation that exists between the two of you, and no one can go from one side to the other. 
It's just not possible. And so the rich man says, if it's not possible, will you send Lazarus back from the dead? Will you send him back because I have five brothers and my five brothers aren't living right either. They're in sin. They're ignoring need. They're ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Will you send Lazarus back to warn them of this place? If they would just hear from Lazarus, if someone were just raised from the dead, then they would believe. And the reply is thus. They have the prophets. They have the law. They've been taught all of their lives. They know what they should have been ready for, what they should have been waiting for, and they ignored it the entire time. And even if someone should be raised from the dead, it will not make a difference in their lives. This room is filled with sinners, but there are two kinds of sinners in this room. There's the saved sinner, and there's the unsaved sinner. And no one can decide which you are but you yourself. And in that moment and in that day when you take your last breath and you enter into the presence of God, you will have no one to blame but yourself whether or not you're admitted to peace and comfort or if you're sent to banishment separated from God's love for all of eternity. Two kinds of people in this room. You're all sinners. You're either saved or you're not. Now last week, as we're going through this series of the gospel, breaking down the gospel piece by piece, we learned last week the first thing, right? Hold up your thumb, everyone hold up your thumb. The thumb is that God loves me. Say, God loves me. Do you believe God loves you this morning? God's love for you is never going to increase more than it is right now in this moment. With whatever struggle you have, with whatever fear you have, with whatever regret you're carrying into the sanctuary this morning, God will not be able to love you any more than he loves you right now in this moment. And that love took God to the extent of the gospel, that shout of victory, that proclamation of praise that you've been set free from sin. God loves me, but the second point of the gospel as we walk through this and we break it down point by point is that I'm a sinner. Everyone hold up, hold it up. Hold up your right hand. It actually does matter this time. Hold up your right hand. I'm a sinner, all right? Your second finger is I'm a sinner. Say, I'm a sinner. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm a sinner. Now, hold that up to your... I got you guys, right? You're all a bunch of losers. Every single one of you is in sin. You've sinned. You've fallen short of God's glory. And we're going to break this apart. But here's what I want you to do this morning. We're going to look at this idea of sin. And I hope that by the time you leave, that every single one of you will be able to look in the mirror and say, man, I'm a sinner. I am a capital L loser. But there's hope for me. There's hope for me. Amen? Amen. So to begin with, if you have your outlines, take out your outlines. We're going to begin breaking this apart. And we're going to begin by looking at the fact that there is a root for sin. Sin has a source. Sin has a beginning. And that beginning is Satan himself. The Bible describes, and you can write these texts down because we don't have time to go through all of them. Isaiah chapter 14, write that down. Ezekiel chapter 28, write that down. 
Revelation chapter 12, write that down. In those scriptures, there's an account for the fall of Satan. And in essence, what's going on in Satan during this time is he's a created being. God made him just like he made you and I. And God made him with the ability to choose free will. Just like you and I have free will, Satan had free will. And with that free will, he decided to rebel against a loving God. And so this is literally what he says to himself. And listen to how many times the word I The pronoun I is used here. Listen to this. I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights in the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. This was in Satan's heart. There in heaven, he sees all of the angels and all of creation giving worship to God. And he says, now why can't I get just a piece of this for myself? And so his arrogance and his pride grows and takes over to the point that he rebels against a loving, gracious, holy God. And because of it, the scripture declares that there's a war that breaks out in heaven. And because of this war, the result of this war is that Satan is cast from the heavens to this earth. And guess what Satan brings with him when he's cast to this earth? He brings that pride. And he brings that sin. And he brings that arrogance. The root to sin is Satan. And he comes, he's cast to this earth and he comes and he tempts man. And listen to what, how the temptation goes here. In Genesis chapter three, the slivering serpent says this, you will not surely die if you eat of the forbidden fruit. No, we can't eat of that. Oh, you can eat of it. You're not going to die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when Eve, the woman, saw that the tree was good for food, okay, bear that in mind, good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave to her husband, Adam, who ate. Now, think about this for a moment because Satan is cast to this world. He brings with him that pride, that arrogance, that sin. And this is how the Bible describes that sin. Listen to this, 1 John chapter two. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, there are three types of sin that are highlighted there. The sin is like this. The desires of the flesh, how did Satan tempt Eve. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. She desired, the flesh desired to eat of that tree. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the scripture says in Genesis chapter three, she saw that the fruit was good to eat. There it is, the lust of the eyes. And the final thing, the pride of life, that that fruit could actually make her wise and she would understand things like only God can understand. Satan tempts man the same way that he himself is tempted. And this is the same pattern over and over and over again. In your community groups this week, if you meet together, if you're plugged into a community group, you're gonna study Matthew chapter four. And you're gonna see that when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, 
that he's tempted the same way with the lust of the flesh, with the lust of the eyes, and with the pride of life. That's the same way that Satan tries to even tempt Jesus. And that's the same way, my friends, that you're being tempted today. And so Adam and Eve partake of the forbidden fruit. And in that moment, they take a bite. The juice from the fruit runs down their faces and sin enters into man. Actually, something changes in our composition. Possibly even biologically, genetically, something changes because up to that point, we were created to have a relationship and intimacy with God. There was no death. But in that moment, when sin enters into the heart of man, Death enters in as well. Something changes in the heart of man. Now, I want you to see this. The scripture says this. David says this in Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He says, I've been a sinner from the very beginning. Even before I was born in my mother's womb, I was a sinner. I only knew selfishness. I only knew pride. Listen to this text, Psalm 58, verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth speaking lies. How many of you understand that you don't have to teach a child to lie? Right? You've got to teach a child how to tell the truth, but nobody needs to teach a child how to lie. They understand how to do that. It comes naturally for them. It's in their DNA. When sin entered into man, that sin took root and took over the heart of man. I was in the office a couple of weeks ago, and those of you who know Pastor Jose, the family pastor, he's normally not in here on a Sunday because he's tending to your children. Well, he has his own little son, and he's going to be three years old here very soon, right? And Elias, smart little boy, his name is Elias, a smart little boy, and I heard him go in and talk to Pastor Cameron for a second, and he asks Cameron, or Cameron asks him, rather, would you like a piece of this yellow candy? And Elias is like, I want some of that yellow candy. So Cameron, the wise man that he is, says, okay, go ask your dad first. So I hear the little pitter-patter of the footsteps running down the hallway, going into Pastor Jose's office, and he says, dad, can I have a piece of the yellow candy? And I heard it, because I'm right in between. My office is right in between these two offices. Jose says, no, you may not. I hear the pitter-patter of footsteps running back down the hallway, turning into Cameron's office. And as sure as day, without any hesitation, he walks into the office and he says, my dad said yes. <laughs> and then, and then I hear the pitter-patter of big footsteps. And I hear dad going down the hallway because he could hear it as well. And he says, I did not say you could have that candy, right? All he was thinking about was feeding, gratifying his flesh. What do I want? He wasn't taught how to lie. He knows how to lie innately. It's in him. He's born with that tendency. And all of us are born with that tendency. If you want to see the spirituality of your children, those of you who are family, you have a family, you know, I have three kids. I can see the spirituality of my children when there's only two pieces of pizza left, right? <laughs> Because at that point, it is on. No one's thinking about the other person's needs. 
everyone is thinking about getting that piece of pizza for themselves and who's going to be left out. In that moment, it's not about how can we share or how can we divide two into three. It's like, let me get in there first. I got to finish this piece first so I can get the next piece, right? That's innately within us. We're born sinners. There's a sin nature that has taken root inside of us. From the moment that we were conceived, we were born in sin. From the moment we were born as a baby, we had the need to be redeemed by a loving and gracious Savior. And it is our responsibility as parents to lead those children into the presence of Jesus. For those of you who sit there and think, you know what, I want to let my child be old enough to make the decision on their own, shame on you. They are born in sin, and unless they meet the Savior, they will be separated from him for all of eternity. And it is your responsibility to lead those little sinners into the presence of Jesus. This room is filled with sinners that there's only two kinds, saved or unsaved. The world is filled with sinners, two kinds, saved or unsaved. We're born in sin. Now, think about this just for a moment. And some, some of you may say, well, that just doesn't seem fair that all of us are suffering for the sin of one man. How can God hold me accountable for what Adam did thousands of years ago? If it had been me, I would have withstood that temptation. I never would have eaten the fruit. Anyone want to say that that's your take on this? Right? I'm going to prove this to you right now. Okay? Whatever you do in this moment, do not think about a California burrito. Don't do it. Don't think about that juicy carne asada with no gristle. Don't think about that chunky guacamole and that spicy salsa with those crispy french fries and that cheese that's melted just so all wrapped in a delicious flour tortilla. Do not think of it. Just don't do it. You see, as soon as I say don't do this, the tendency that is within you is to think about that thing. Let me try another one. Whatever you do in this moment right now, do not think of flying purple elephants. Right? Now, all of a sudden, the room is surrounded with flying purple elephants. It looked like Dumbo because I said don't do it. You each have this tendency within you to rebel against authority, to do the opposite of what is being asked of you. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me what to think. No one's going to tell me what to eat. And, and I'm interested. I want to see you guys post some pictures on Facebook later of your California burrito that you're going to go get now because of uh, this morning's sermon, right? No one's going to tell me what to do. I've got a mind of my own. Listen, this is how the scripture put it. In Romans chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, open them up. Romans chapter 5, we're going to spend some time in the book of Romans today, so you might as well turn there. Romans chapter 5, and listen to how Paul puts this. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because why? Because all sinned. The, when that fruit was eaten of, that disease entered into man, and now that disease has proliferated and it's spread to all of us. We've all got the same sickness. We've all got the same disease, and it's sin. And here's the thing, you can never find 
your cure for your disease until you understand and you admit the disease exists within you. You've been bitten, or you literally did the biting, and now the disease is in you. But I want you to understand this. Just because we talk about the sin being a result of Adam's fall doesn't mean that you can use that as a cop-out for every lust that you have and every sickness that you think of and every trail that you pass down that you know you shouldn't pass down. It is not Adam's fault that you make stupid choices today. Now, is the tendency there? Is it in you? Yes. But did Adam do the stupid thing he did yesterday for you? No, you made that stupid choice, did you not? You still are accountable for your own free will, but it's in you because of the original sin, because of our sin nature. That tendency is there. There are studies that are actually being done today that are proving that our genetical makeup changes because of the trauma of our parents and our grandparents. There's a study that was done about survivors of the Holocaust and how traumatic that experience was and having to flee their hometowns and having to go and seek refuge in other countries because Hitler and the Nazis were coming to exterminate them all and how there are markers in their DNA that have been passed down through the generations. And so these people during the Holocaust, these Jews, they experienced post-traumatic stress disorder. And because they experienced it, their children have a tendency to be more prone to suffering from the same thing, post-traumatic stress disorder. Even though they weren't in the concentration camps, even though they weren't fleeing for their lives, because their parents experienced that trauma, it becomes a part of their genetic makeup and it's passed on to their children. This is how God's word puts it. If this isn't sobering to you, I don't know what will be. But God says, I don't want you to make any carved images. I don't want you to worship any idols. I want you to worship me and me alone. And this is what he says. You shall not bow down to other idols. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation to those who hate me. That when you enter into sin, those tendencies can actually be passed on to your further generations. What kind of sin are you struggling with this morning? What are your addictions? What are your lusts? What are those things that you're ashamed of? What kind of legacy are you leaving to your children? Even if you don't buy the whole science part of it, even if you don't buy that genes can actually be altered, that your DNA can transfer these experiences onto your children, even if you don't agree with that part of it, even if you just look at it from the perspective of your children are watching you live your life and they're going to pick up tendencies in your character that maybe you don't want them to pick up, that you're an example to your children and they're watching you and they're learning what is acceptable and unacceptable by watching you. Is that not sobering? That your lifestyle, that your sin can plague the third and fourth generations behind you because you're not willing to give up those idols and to lay them down and to seek God and God alone. We have this sin nature and all of us struggle with this sin nature. But again, it is your choice. If you're tired 
of that sin, if you're tired of struggling with cycles of addiction, if you're tired of paying for the sins of your father and your grandfather, your mother and your grandmother, you can break that cycle of addiction, that cycle of lust today by committing to the Lord and saying, God, I'm finished with the idols. I'm finished worshiping at these false altars and I'm gonna commit myself to you and to you alone. You can break that cycle. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivorg website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivorg or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.